hey, Joe Casaboni here, and I'm just letting you know that how I built it is now Streamlined Solopreneur. So if you're seeing a new artwork and a new name in your podcast player, that is expected and by design. The new name better reflects the mission and really what has been the mission of this show for the last few years, and I'm really excited about it. All the links in the show notes and how I built it will still work, but the show also has a new home over at streamlined.fm if you want to check it out. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, everybody, real quick, before we get started, I want to tell you about my new course, Podcast Liftoff. It is currently out and ready for you to enroll in it. It is the complete guide to planning and publishing the podcast that will grow your audience and make you money. Now, obviously, you listen to podcasts. Maybe you've been a longtime listener and you know that this podcast has helped me stay self-employed. That is no joke. The 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 income that I generated from this podcast helped me when other work was slow. So it has helped me grow my business, get more clients, make more contacts, and make more money. And I want to do the same thing for you. I want you to have a podcast that will do the same thing for you. So check out Podcast Liftoff. If you're interested, which you should be, there is an introductory price. The price is going to more than double when I add more content to it over the summer. So you should get it at the introductory rate right now over at podcastliftoff.com and use the code BUILD at checkout to save even more. That's podcastliftoff.com and use the code BUILD at checkout to save even more. Okay, on with the show. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? We are into the bonus episodes of sorts. These are generally shorter form episodes where it's just me talking to you about something. And we are about halfway through the year now and I want to talk to you about some of the tools that I have found useful over the last six months since I've been staying at home, uh, focusing on more of my work and my process. I've been trying to improve a lot of things, especially because uh, in July I'll be taking some time off after the birth of my son. So I've been thinking about the tools I've been using and I've been trying to improve a lot of the work I have been doing. And so I made a quick list of some software and some hardware that has really helped me improve my game. And I'm going to talk about this stuff in no particular order. Well, actually, the particular order is WordPress plugins, general tools, and then hardware and analog tools. But I didn't pick that order for any reason. It's just the order in which I listed all of that stuff out. And all of this, all of these links will be available over at howibuilt.it. That's where the show notes are. It's howibuilt.it slash 173. That's the episode number. So let's get into it. The first tool I want to tell you about is one that I very recently started using that solved a really good problem that I've been trying to solve myself and I was going to 
write my own plugin to do it, but then I found a lifetime deal on AppSumo for a plugin called WP Content Pilot. So what this does is they're actually positioning it for affiliate programs. You can set up quote unquote campaigns, uh, connect a source to it, and then do a search for a keyword and import the posts that it finds on those keywords uh, as posts on your own website. So for example, if you want to pull in YouTube videos with the keyword podcasting, you can do that. But what I'm using it for is a content aggregator. As you probably know, I publish content on multiple sources. My blog, this podcast, my YouTube channel. I have another podcast called Start Local. And I want my personal blog, my personal website over at casabona.org to be the single source of truth for all of my content. So what I did was I used WP Content Pilot to connect to my YouTube channel and my two RSS feeds. And it's really great. It's been working out really well. It took a little bit of uh, finagling and finessing because I'm not, I don't think I'm using it in the way that it was intended to be used, but it's working out really well for me. Uh, So the way I'm doing it right now is the two RSS feeds are working great. I just have them basically pull in a new post every uh, five to seven days at the same cadence at which my podcast episodes come out. And that's because if you do it any less than that, it will, if it doesn't find a new episode, it'll go to the last published episode that it hasn't pulled in. So I don't want the whole back catalog being pulled in, like flooding my feed all at once. I just kind of want new episodes to be published moving forward. So that's what I'm doing for both podcast feeds. For YouTube, again, it, it was it took a little bit of finagling because I couldn't just say pull in all videos from this YouTube channel. I basically have to make a playlist, uh, which I called Casabona.org, and anytime a new video is added to that playlist, it'll pull it into the website. And that playlist is unlisted because it's not really a way I want to organize my YouTube channel. So when I upload new videos, it now gets added to two playlists, one for the topic and one for casabona.org. But it's been great. And then I'm using Beaver Builder to uh, publish the posts on my homepage. They include the category class name. So I was able to set some custom styles based on the category in the feed that's being pulled in. So how I built it episodes are blue, like how I built it. YouTube is red, a little darker than the normal YouTube red because the normal YouTube red is like super bright. And Start Local is like a gold, uh, which is, I guess, a county color for Chester County, PA. Um, and, and then the last nice thing about, well, not the last nice thing, but the last thing that I want to highlight for this plugin is you can have it link directly to the original source. So uh, it will create a post based on the content, but it'll also redirect it for you so that instead of people having to click on a post on your website and then click through to the original source, they'll just go directly to the original source. So between the the visual difference I created 
from other sources versus my own source and the fact that when they click it'll take them to the original source I'm really happy uh, and I got this idea from six colors um, I really like the way that they do it mine's not quite as refined as theirs is their site's been around for a while and they've had custom work but this works for me for now I'll probably improve upon it in the future but uh, WP Content Pilot is really good. I will link to the actual website, and then I think the AppSumo deal is going on for a little, like a couple of days as this episode comes out. Um, but either way, it's, it's worth it. I'm really glad I picked up the lifetime deal, but I think it's if I hadn't and I stumbled upon this, it, it solves the exact problem I'm trying to solve. So that's WP Content Pilot. Uh, Thirsty Affiliates is next. I might have mentioned that one on the show before, but uh, affiliate marketing is is a big part of my income plan this year. So at the end of last year, I took some steps to figure out exactly where I could add more affiliate links uh, without kind of bombarding people with affiliate links. And Thirsty Affiliate is a really good WordPress plugin that will automatically link content based on the keywords that you set up, which is perfect, right? So whenever I mention something like, I don't know, managed WooCommerce hosting, uh, it'll link to LiquidWeb or, or Nexus now. Um, and the nice thing about it is that you set the link and the link isn't embedded in the content. It's basically done... Uh, as the content is generated. So if the link ever changes, um, the 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 content won't be stuck with the old link. Or similarly, if your affiliate link changes, you still have the main redirect, which is really cool. So I have that installed on casabona.org and on how I built it. Um, and it link on, on the podcast website, it'll link in the transcripts as well. So uh, there are contextual links inside the transcript so people don't have to like back scroll and look for the show notes or anything like that, which is really nice. But that's been really working out for me. Uh, my affiliate income at the halfway mark has been really good, especially my Amazon affiliate links, which is it's a bummer that they decreased the amount of uh, the percentage amount that they're paying out. But I'm still doing better in Amazon affiliates than I have ever before. My hosting affiliate links are doing pretty good. So overall, I'm happy with the progress that my affiliate links have, have made. And I think that Thirsty Affiliates is, a, is a, a big reason why. Because now I can automatically include relevant affiliate links in my content, even if I don't think about it. So for example, anytime I mention like the Sony A6400, that gets turned into an affiliate link on Amazon to my camera. So I think that's a really great tool. I'm a big fan of it. Um, and I, again, I'll link that in the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 173. The third and final WordPress plugin I want to tell you about is one that I recently picked up. After a lot of hemming and hawing, I didn't know if I really... If I didn't, I didn't know if I really needed this or not, but I ended up picking it up. It's called Fusebox and it's a much nicer looking podcast player for your podcast. So this is created by the Smart Passive Income team, uh, Pat Flynn and, and, and them. Uh, and if you go to howibuilt.it, you'll notice that there's a player on the bottom of the page with the latest episode. 
And if you click through to any of the episodes, you will see a much nicer looking player. And the reason that I like this plugin so much is, is it is a, a much nicer looking player. Uh, and, you know, it has like the embedded subscribe links and share links. Uh, but it also has a call to action, which allows people to easily join my newsletter or my mailing list if they want to, which I think is fantastic. It's it's a, a much more obvious way of getting more conversions. Uh, and it's been working. Uh, so I'm, I'm again, I'm very happy with that. So uh, Fusebox, it's I think it's a really good plugin. I ended up building a, a little bit of a companion plugin. I feel like all of the plugins that I use are, or all of the plugins that I build are like companion plugins to connect to tools I'm using. Uh, but this plugin I have is called Insert Fusebox. I'll have more information on it when I'm ready to, to kind of put it out into the world. But uh, what it does is essentially automatically grab the latest episode and embed the Fusebox shortcode. Uh, Fusebox does not specifically connect to any podcast plugin as far as I can tell. So it's not reading your feed and it's not like automatically replacing the podcast player with its podcast player. You actually have to embed the shortcode into the content. And I knew that if I didn't do this automatically, I would never do it. So now when the content is created, uh, I can grab the URL from that post and generate the Fusebox shortcode to automatically embed it. I think this is really useful for anybody who's using Fusebox. And uh, right now it supports PowerPress because that's what I use, but I'm going to add seriously simple podcasting support to it. And I think it could be really valuable. So uh, keep an eye out for that. But Fusebox has been really good. It's, I, I got it because I liked the way the player looked and I thought that it would help me grow my mailing list. And both of those things are turning out to be true. So hooray for that. Uh, so next up is other digital tools that I've been using. But before we get to that, I do want to tell you about the first sponsor for this week, and that is Circle CI. This episode is brought to you by Circle CI. Whether you're on a development team, manage a development team yourself, or you have a business that relies on working software, a good process is so important to make sure you're creating high quality work. Continuous integration, or the ability to check and manage code automatically, can help you and your developers streamline the process in a big way, and CircleCI is here to help. Designed for modern software teams, CircleCI's continuous integration and delivery platform helps developers push code with confidence. Trusted by thousands of companies, from four-person startups to Fortune 500 businesses, CircleCI helps teams take their software from idea to delivery, quickly, safely, and at scale. Visit howibuilt.it slash CircleCI to learn why high-performing DevOps teams use CircleCI to automate and accelerate their continuous integration and continuous delivery pipelines. 
As someone who's worked on big coding projects with distributed development teams, I can tell you that continuous integration tools have helped us make sure we deliver working code to our clients. It helped us instill trust in our team, and it let us focus on solving new problems instead of dealing with the same old ones over and over again. So once again, learn how CircleCI can help you and your business at howibuilt.it slash CircleCI today. That's C-I-R-C-L-E-C-I. As a special bonus for How I Built It listeners, CircleCI is having a virtual raffle where you could win a pair of the newest Sony noise-canceling headphones. Improve your team's processes and enter for a chance to win at howibuilt.it slash CircleCI. And now, back to the show. Okay, so we just talked about some WordPress plugins. Now, here are just some general digital products that I'm looking at or I've been using. The first one is a CRM. I am notoriously bad at sales and marketing to the point where sometimes I wonder how I got to this point in my life as a business owner. Uh, And I've been using various tools for my quote unquote CRM from Airtable to like a, a note uh, a notebook or a, a bear note. That was my note app of choice for a while. And I finally decided to bite the bullet and try HubSpot CRM. I liked HubSpot because it was free and I honestly don't need a lot in terms of functionality. I just want to know who I've contacted, what they said, and when the next time I need to follow up is. And uh, HubSpot is great for that. Honestly, Airtable would have been great for that, but they don't have reminders, which just kills me. Um, So you can't do like a date-based reminder field, uh, not even in the paid version. That would have been the thing that made me uh, pay for Airtable. But HubSpot is great. uh, So I I like it a lot. I check it twice a week on Tuesdays and on Fridays. And I do all of my kind of account management through there. So I, I set up reminders to follow up when I need to. I keep all of my communication in there. I love that they have like a forwarding and a BCC address so that I don't have to worry about connecting my mailbox. Because honestly, I don't want HubSpot to be flooded with all of my email either. I just want to keep the contacts in there uh, that I want to manage for specific work like new projects or sponsorships, which is the main reason I set it up. And honestly, that's been super working out for me because I just started a new round of reaching out to sponsors and I've been getting a lot of interest and I've been able to keep track of all that interest in HubSpot CRM. So I'm, I'm really happy with that. I think my friend Maddie might've recommended it. Uh, and so I've been enjoying that as my CRM after I should say trying to bounce from CRM to CRM. I was in capsule CRM and then agile CRM. And I just, I was, I, I was focusing too much on the tool and not enough on the actual outreach. And so I I settled on HubSpot CRM and I'm pretty happy about it. Uh, Next up is a built-in app if you are on iOS and Mac OS, and that's Apple Notes. Every year around WWDC, I think about going back to Apple's native apps. And then for one reason or another, I just don't. Um, I, I try it and I don't like it. There's some killer feature that I decide I absolutely need 
But last year, with the Reminders redesign, I started using Reminders a lot more. So I use that in conjunction with OmniFocus. And this year, I, you know, I realized that I have too many places where I keep notes. I have a field notes notebook. I have another notebook, as, as you'll learn later. And I was getting frustrated with the fact that I wasn't sure where the stuff I was trying to keep track of actually lived. And I pay annually for bear notes and I was paying annually for bear notes because they support Markdown and Markdown is apparently a must have feature for me. But it's useless if I'm not actually taking notes down. Uh, I really like the system integration in Apple Notes. I think Apple Notes looks a lot better. I really wish they supported Markdown, but whatever. And so I've been using Apple Notes a lot more to keep ideas, to capture links, to uh, do field notes transitions. So whenever I write something down in a notebook, I move it to Apple Notes uh, quickly. And I, I really like the capture and the obviously the system integration because it's the built-in app. So I've been using it consistently for a couple of months at this point, and I've been happy with it. I don't think I'm going to renew my Bear Notes subscription. Sorry, Bear Notes, you are a fantastic app, but uh, I, I wasn't using it even $15 a year enough, right? So I, I'm, it's not about the cost of something. It's, it's, why pay for something you don't use, right? Um, and so I, I'm not using Bear Notes. Uh, I'm still using Evernote uh, because it's got the best integrations. One day, maybe when Notion uh, allows for Zapier integrations, I will move off Evernote. But until that day, Evernote is still the best tool. Uh, but that is mostly for other things that I'm not using Apple Notes for. Apple Notes is for general ideas, jotting down things quickly, and uh, keeping track of stuff as I think of it throughout the day. And I've been really happy with it. So Apple Notes, surprise app for me of the year. I don't know why I decided one day to just start using it. As I record this, WWDC, I think, is next week. Yes, it's next week. So um, yeah, I just I'm really happy with Apple Notes so far. Speaking of notes, Milanote is another one I've been trying. Uh, their team reached out to me and asked if I would backlink to them on my uses page. And I informed them that I only do that if I actually use something. So they set me up with an account, full disclosure, it's a free pro account, and I've been checking it out. I really like the way it looks. I haven't quite found the groove of it yet, though, but I really want a good research buddy. And I think Milanote could be that. So uh, keep keep your ears peeled for that. Uh, I'm just, I'm trying it out now. Maybe by the end of the year, I'll be like, I need Milanote. Uh, I know Shannon Schaefer mentioned it on her episode. She absolutely loves it, uh, which kind of gave me the brand awareness. And um, yeah, so I'm trying it out and I hope it could be a research buddy for me. And But this is another, this is another place where there's no API automation integrations or anything like that. And that that's, that's almost a deal breaker for me every single time, because I don't necessarily want to live in the app. I want to capture stuff to the app and then organize it later. I don't want to have to visit the website every time. Plus their, their iOS app is a little bit lacking. Like it's really just a capture tool. 
And I would much prefer capturing something in Apple Notes and then sending it to Milanote. Uh, but we'll see. Maybe they're working out some bugs and things like that, but I'm trying it out. And the last tool is one that I've been using for a long time, but I finally, finally became a pro user is Canva. So I love Canva for everything. I am terrible at designing and they make it so that you don't have to, well, I don't have to be good at designing at least. And I, I've been using it and they rolled out a couple of killer pro features like remove background, which I was paying another service to do that. Remove.bg might be the same service and they just tap into the API. But between that and a few other features they added, they let me do another pro free trial. And as soon as it ended, I was like, you know what? I use this every single day to create all sorts of graphics. It's totally worth paying for. So I love Canva. Canva Pro is great. I have not been using Photoshop or Creative Cloud for about a year now. And instead, I was using Affinity Photo to edit photos. Um, but even that, I'm really not using that at all either. I'm using Canva for everything. So big fan of Canva Pro. I'm finally paying for it. I couldn't be happier. This is one of those instances where I will happily pay for a tool that gets the job done quickly and easily for me. So those are all the software tools. Uh, before we get into the hardware and analog tools, though, I do want to tell you about our second sponsor for this week, and that is Text Expander. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander. Save time typing and boost your productivity with Text Expander. You know I'm all about automation. I've been talking about it throughout all of the tools in this episode. And Text Expander is a great way to get started. It allows you to create your own snippets for repetitive text that you tend to use everywhere. Add the text, create a snippet, and boom. One of my favorites is my address. Instead of typing out my full address and risking typos, I simply type dollar sign ADDR and let Text Expander do the rest. And this is all without special app specific plugins. You can do it anywhere you type. But that's not all it does. With its advanced snippets, you can create fill ins, pop up fields, and more. You can even use it with JavaScript or AppleScript. Another one of my favorites, and maybe the most used one, is PPT. Uh, that will take whatever text I have on my clipboard and convert it to plain text. I just finished writing my book on HTML and CSS. We were working in Word a lot for that. And so I was copying stuff from other places and I just wanted the text uh, or I was copying comments from my editor to make suggestions and I just wanted the text and my PPT for paste plain text snippet uh, really saved me a ton of time. I keep links and uh, uh, affiliate links and uh, license keys and all sorts of information in there that I don't have to look up anymore. Plus, if you work with employees or contractors, you can use Text Expander to manage shared snippets with them. So you all get it right every time. Text Expander is available on Mac OS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. If you've been curious about trying Text Expander or simply automation in general, now is the time. 
Listeners can get 20% off their first year. Just visit textexpander.com slash podcast and let them know that I sent you. Once again, that's textexpander.com slash podcast. And now back to the show. Okay, so as we wrap up this episode, which I told you would be short and now we're approaching regular length, um, is a few actual analog or in real life tools I've been using. I won't belabor this this one very long because I've written at length about it and talked about it, but Elgato's Stream Deck has really changed my process a lot. I love it. I use it for videos. I use it for Zoom calls. I use it to manage the lighting in my office. It's just fantastic. I will link to a blog post where I talk about how I have configured my Stream Deck, as well as a YouTube video of how I'm using my Stream Deck with OBS to record YouTube videos and my course videos. Uh, But along with that, I just recently got the Elgato Key Light, which is a smart lighting panel. Uh, I've fixed it to my desk so that I have good three-point lighting. It's a little better than the lighting I was using previously, And the nice thing about this is that it integrates right with the Stream Deck, so I can turn it on or off, I can increase or decrease the brightness, and I can increase or decrease the color temperature. So eventually what I hope to do is have a keyboard maestro script, which Stream Deck also integrates with, to press start recording and then like it sets the key light properly, it sets my the rest of the lighting in my office properly, it kills a bunch of apps, and then it starts recording. But the key light is is integral to that because it's the lighting. And so I can control that more easily with the Stream Deck, which is just fantastic. I will link to that in the show notes as well. The maybe my favorite tool, I, I mean, the Stream Deck is my favorite tool, but I assumed this would be for a long time uh, after they announced it is the new Magic Keyboard for iPad. Uh, It includes a trackpad. It makes the iPad hover a little bit. And so I've been using my iPad a lot more for more tasks. For example, because the iPad now has cursor and trackpad support, I can update Beaver Builder pages with the iPad. That's not something you could have done before this, before I think it was iPad OS 13.4. So I the the magic keyboard was an insta buy for me i absolutely love it uh i can see myself now taking just the ipad with me and leaving the laptop behind which was always the dream when i had the 12.9 inch ipad i downgraded to the 11 inch and bought a macbook air but now i could see myself doing a lot more with the ipad because it has cursor support and the Magic Keyboard has been so great. I absolutely love using it. Backlit Butterfly Keyboard. Uh, maybe it's not Butterfly. Scissor Switch. The good one that doesn't stink. Um, but it's it's backlit and it's really great. I, I absolutely love that keyboard. It's not perfect, but it is absolutely the best thing that you will get if you want to use your keyboard, a keyboard, with your iPad. The last thing I want to tell you about is my favorite topic, uh, analog tools, stationary. I have been ripping through Field Notes notebooks. I've been a big fan of Field Notes for a long time, uh, but I generally do not go through an entire Field Notes notebook in a month. 
since the quarantine started, I guess I've like always had it in my pocket and I've been using it a lot more like even at my desk, but I've been ripping through one like every three weeks. So it's, I've, I've about half to the time, uh, it usually takes me to get through a field notes notebook. So, uh, like I said earlier, my process has been to write stuff down in the field notes notebook and check it off. And if there's anything lingering that I need to attend to, I'll put it in Apple notes, which is basically like the digital version of my field notes notebooks anyway. So big fan of field notes. I just recently resubscribed to their annual subscription, even though I always let it expire and then realized I shouldn't have, I should just stop doing the dance, but alas, I'm a subscriber again. Finally, and I've, I've posted about this before and it's like, I wrote, I wrote about it in my analog tools, but I have a William Hanna notebook. It's a ring system. Uh, and it's, it's really nice leather. It's a UK based company, but they do all sorts of custom prints for pages. So I've been using it as a weekly planner. I have a view, uh, that I heard about on the pen addict podcast where you have the entire week on the left page and then a blank dot grid on the right page. So I will plan out my week with my tasks and then use the rest for notes. And then I will have a section of the notebook that is all dot grid. So I can use that for meeting notes or journaling, um, bigger ideas that I have that I want to keep safe. And then the last section is to-do lists. So I'll keep like my reading list, things I want to watch or learn, uh, or other just general longstanding lists that I'm going to have. I recently decided to commit to that fully uh, because I was having that problem of like, which notebook did I write this idea in? Uh, So now it's either going to be the field notes notebook, which is going to be just quick ideas that I will convert to either an Apple note or put in the William Hanna notebook, or it'll just be the William Hanna notebook. So I have a couple of notebooks that are half used that are really good that I need to figure out what to do with, but I'm happy to consolidate all of my planning stuff into two notebooks. Uh, that doesn't count my actual like personal journal. Uh, that's more like a diary, um, which is still the theme system journal, but that's just for reflecting really and not for planning. Um, so, you know, I write like something good, something bad, something I'm looking forward to, something I shipped. I do have the three tasks I want to get done each day, but that is derived from what I have in my William Hanna notebook. So, that's everything. Uh, this turned out to be a, a normal sized episode. So thanks for bearing with me. I hope that you learned about some new tools that you're going to check out. All of this stuff will be available in the show notes over at howibuilt.it. Thanks so much for listening. If you have any questions about the tools I'm using, let me know. Uh, maybe I'll, if I get enough feedback, I'll do a feedback episode. Uh, thanks to our sponsors for this week, Circle CI and Text Expander. They make the show happen. And if you want to take my new podcasting course that you heard about at the top of the show, head on over to podcastliftoff.com. If you liked this episode, be sure to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps people discover the show. And until next time, get out there and build something.